Welcome to First Baptist Church. You're listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead. Check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. If you have a Bible with you or you have a, a Bible app on one of them uh, cool newfangled uh, um, mobile devices, or maybe that's on your, your Christmas list, hint, hint. Um, <laughs> Please turn with me to 1 Corinthians, and we're going to be in chapter number 9. And uh, I want to welcome you back to, um, to part 5 of our series titled Go. And uh, real quick this morning, I just want to take a real quick minute to, uh, to explain to you what this series is about and review with you what you might have missed so far over the last four weeks. And so this series, Go, is, is it's all about the Great Commission and the part that we play in that. In fact, Jesus says that we are to go, uh, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, that we're to go out and help others to, to learn how to follow Jesus. And that's exactly what this series is all about. And we kicked off this series, and one of the things that we got clear about is that the Great Commission and making disciples and evangelism is not just the work of a select group of, you know, of people who are called in a full-time ministry. The Great Commission is not just about pastors, and it's not just about evangelists, and it's not just about Sunday school teachers, okay? The Great Commission is about all of us, all believers. It's about, it's about you. If you're a Christian, then the Great Commission is about you, because we all, every one of us, have a part to play, whether you're young or old or married or single or brand new Christian or, uh, or a veteran or volunteer or, or rich or poor or, or layman or a full-time minister. We are all, every one of us called to be a part of the work that, that Christ is calling us to do. And, and one of the important things that we've come to understand about this text is that the focus of Jesus's words isn't so much on the word go, okay, as in go out and, and street witness or go out into other countries as a missionary or go to some, some big church rally, even though those things are ways that you can certainly share the gospel. The emphasis on this text, as we studied in week one, is to go out and make disciples, okay? The emphasis of the Great Commission is actually making disciples or Christ followers. You see, evangelism is really just the first part of that. Evangelism is the beginning of the process. It's where we begin because the goal of the Great Commission is to make disciples who then turn around and go out and make more disciples. And so in week one, we all recognize that we have a part to play and we all committed to doing our part in the Great Commission. And we all committed to helping at least one other person to become a disciple of Christ. One other person. We helped. We decided that we're going to help one, a person uh, come to know Jesus and then we're we're going to help them to get plugged into the local church, and we're going to help them to learn how to follow Jesus in their day-to-day -day lives. That is what we committed to do. And then in week two, we looked at, at, at the story from, from the book of Acts uh, about the Apostle Paul in order to help us to get a better handle on what's involved with the Great Commission. And in this story, Paul isn't preaching to a large crowd, and he's not talking uh, to people you know, in the street. He's not debating in a public forum, but instead, Paul and his companion Silas, they're in jail. They're locked up. But while they're in this hostile environment, they were actually able to, to share the hope and the healing of Christ Jesus uh, and make disciples of the jailer and his whole family. And what we learned is that the reason why he was able to do that is Paul and Silas, you know, were number one, they were sold out for Christ. Number two, they were, they, they, these men valued other people more than they valued themselves. And number three, 
They were prepared, even in the worst of circumstances, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone else. And so what we took away from that story is if we're going to be effective in reaching the people around us and doing our part for the Great Commission, we need to be like Paul and Silas. We need to be sold out for Christ, committed to putting the interest of other people above our own, and we need to commit to being ready to make disciples wherever we go. And then in the third week, uh, we talked about how in Mark 16, 15, Jesus tells us to share the gospel with all of creation or every creature, which really means that we're supposed to share the gospel with everyone, okay? That everyone that we come in contact with, we've we come to understand that, that we don't have to go to exotic locations or we don't have to travel to other communities hundreds of miles away, unless that's what God is calling you specifically to do. We don't have to do that to share the gospel because there are people all around us in our lives right now who are lost. We're surrounded by people, you know, around us that we can share the gospel with already. So why, unless God calls us to, do we need to go out and street witness a hundred miles away when there are people in our everyday lives who need to know Jesus now? Now, please understand, I'm not saying that you shouldn't go out and street witness, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't pass out Bible tracts. I'm not saying you shouldn't go on missions trips. What I am saying is that we already have people around us, people that you already know in your circle of influence who don't know Christ. And we're called to then share the gospel with everyone, everyone we come in contact with in our daily lives. So why, why not start there? And then in week three, we begin to make a plan to do just that. And in fact, we made a list of 10 people in our lives that we know for sure isn't following Christ. And then we began to get committed to praying for them. And we got committed to preparing ourselves to share the, the gospel of Christ with them. And then last week, we set up, we, we, we took all the weeks of set up in preparation. And we finally began to answer the question of how. How do I actually share the gospel? And so last week, I shared with you a simple and repeatable method of how you can clearly and effectively explain to other people the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a method that is essentially a roadmap of, of scriptures that will help you to step-by-step step walk someone down the path towards Christ. It's a step-by-step step way to help them to understand their need for Jesus. And then once they understand that need, you can help them to receive Christ through faith. Now, with all that, the summary of what we covered so far in this series is that we're called to do our part in the Great Commission. And we uh, effectively, you know, what we need to do is we need to be sold out for Christ. And we need to be willing to put others above ourselves. We need to be prepared to share the gospel even um, in the worst of circumstances. And then we need to be intentional about sharing the gospel with other people, which means we need to have a plan to do so. And then, and then now that we have a plan and now we've made those commitments, we also then have a step-by-step -step track to run on that will help us to clearly and effectively explain the gospel of Christ for other people. And so with that, for all intents and purposes, you now have everything you need to jump in here to do your part. You have everything you need. You have the, you've made the commitment. You've made the plan. You know, you've got people that you're praying for and you're preparing. And now you have a track to run on to explain things. And, 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 and more than that, you know that this is what God is calling you to do. And you know that God will be with you because he's promised as much in this. So you have everything you need to jump in here and do your part. Except for one thing. You see, as I said last week, I don't expect that you're going to go to work tomorrow. Okay? or to school or the grocery store and start walking someone down this roadmap of scriptures, you know, that you just learned about, you know, that you're not going to do that just first thing tomorrow morning, right? 
I mean, you know, I'm not expecting you to walk into work or school with your handy little little um, little list of verses ready to, to pounce on the first person you see. Because, again, that might be kind of awkward, right? That might be kind of weird, right? It might be kind of, like, really odd and, 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 and kind of might create some tension in your relationships. In fact, it might even be like this. Just like I designed the plan for this parking garage, God has a plan for each one of us. And it's a good plan. You could have a firm foundation just like that building. Okay, maybe not just like that building. We're all gonna get fired, aren't we? Well, uh, yeah, spiritually, we're, we're all lost. We've been by that tree like five times already. We're in big trouble. We're fine, we're fine. Hey, guys, on a totally unrelated note, if you were to die today, do you know where you would end up eternally? We don't want to die. That's why we hired you. Can you hold this real quick? Welcome to town, man. I'm sure they're gonna love you here. Oh, hey, um, I know it's not really your thing, but I thought maybe you'd like to go to uh, church. What? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You just lost me $5 million because you didn't file some document. Um, a document? Like, what kind of document? You tell me. You're the agent. I've... Oh, shoot. Is it the, uh... Is it's the tenth. That's what this is for. So, uh, I don't suppose you'd still like to go to church? Is that no? That's right now. Yes, sir, they're bringing your car around. So, how do you like the bodyguard gig? I like it, sir. I'm a Christian, so, you know, that's what we're all about. Sacrifice, selflessness, putting other people first. Mr. Ah! Carter, no, no, I don't want to die. I just made my bucket list. Take him. Oh, He's no, a senator. Take, take him. him. I didn't even vote for him. I didn't vote for him. Don't put others first. No, I, I don't want to go first. Well, I know that this is a bit satirical, but, but think about this, okay? Are you really going to walk into work or school tomorrow and be like, hey, man, how was your weekend? Oh, great. Mine was, mine was great, too. In fact, you know, let me just share with you what I just learned in church. It's called the Roadmap to Salvation. Let me just get my Bible out here and walk you through that real quick, right? How many of you are actually going to go do that tomorrow? Right. None of you, right? Nobody's going to do that. Now, why? Why wouldn't you go and do that? Well, the reason why you wouldn't go do that is because you know how people will react to that. And the reason why you know how people will react to that is because you know how you would react to that. Because you're not going to just stand there at work or at school or on the street corner or the grocery store and say to someone, oh, please tell me more about your religious views, right? No, we don't, we don't do that, all right? And you'd probably be like, um, ooh, you know what? Look at the time. I got somewhere 
to go and something to do, and I don't know exactly what that is, but I'll find out real quick. But please, yeah, we're not interested, right, in somebody telling us about that stuff. You see, we, what we know, and you, what you know as well as anybody else knows, that people in our culture, when it comes to the topic of faith and religion and church, people have this tendency to put a wall up. They put a wall up when it comes to the subject because they don't want to hear it, Okay? And for whatever reason, they don't want to hear it. But they especially don't want to hear it from people that they don't know that well and that they don't have a strong connection to. And they especially don't want to hear it from people that they don't have you know, a lot of respect for. They've not grown to respect yet. Okay? And you're exactly the same way. You see, the truth, the, the truth is really quite simple. All right? If you're going to speak into someone's life about something important, you need to earn the right to do so. Okay, it's, it's as simple as that. If you're going to speak in someone's life about something important, you need to earn the right to speak into their life about something important. Okay, and, and the truth is, is something that you already know because you live by this truth. I mean, you're not going to just allow just anybody to tell you how you need to treat your spouse, right? You're not going to just let just anybody tell you how to raise your kids. You're not going to let somebody who you barely know tell you how you should manage your finances, you're not going to let someone speak into your life, you know, and tell you, you know, that, that especially you don't have any real connection to them, tell you how that you need to forgive that person in your life that hurts you. If someone's going to speak into your life about something that's important to you, then, then they, and, and you actually take it seriously, then that someone needs to be someone who's earned that right to speak into your life. And, and it will be someone that you're close to or someone that you have, you have deep respect for. Not just somebody, you know, not just everybody gets to speak into your life. They have to earn that right first. In fact, I remember when <clears throat> I was younger, um, I, I read a few business books and I developed some, some ideas about business, especially about construction. And uh, I felt really strongly about those ideas. And, and, and I had a chance to have a conversation with, uh, with an older man who owned a business in Bakersfield. And, and he was very successful. And he had a great reputation. And he was a really nice guy. And he took the time to talk to me. But during our conversation, I began to try to convince this guy of the value of my ideas in business. And finally, he just says, Sherman, no offense, bud, but I'm not taking any business advice from, from someone who doesn't make more money than I do. It's just as simple as that, okay? It's as simple as that. You see, at that point in my career, in my business life, I had not earned this guy's respect as a businessman. Right? I had not accomplished enough in business for him to take me seriously, which means you know, I didn't earn the right to speak into his life about business, regardless of the value of my ideas, regardless of how smart I thought I was, regardless of, of how much I thought I knew my stuff. He was not going to listen to me because I hadn't earned the right for him to speak into his life. I haven't earned the right to tell him my thoughts about business. You see, you have to earn the right to speak in someone's life before they're going to listen to you. And it's the same way with sharing faith. How many of you are going to sit, you know, and allow someone to speak into your life that you don't really know or respect and allow them to talk to you about how much of a sinner you are and how you need to change? Not many of you are going to sit through that. It's just not going to happen. It doesn't matter how smart that person is or how well-intentioned they are. It doesn't even matter how right they are. You're not going to listen to someone who's not earned the right to speak into your life. That's why street preaching and passing out Bible tracts is so ineffective. Because you basically have strangers trying to speak into the life of someone else that they don't know. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that people shouldn't pre go street preach and pass out Bible tracts. I'm just saying it's not the most effective way to share the gospel because, again, you have strangers trying to speak into the lives of other people 
you know, who have their walls up, and regardless of their hard work, and regardless of their intentions, they have not earned the right to speak into their life. Because the truth is this. If you want to speak into someone else's life, you know, about something that's important, you need to earn the right. And this applies to sharing our faith, which leads to the obvious question then is how do I earn the right? How do I remove those walls between the people that, that I know that are on my list? How can I earn the right to speak into someone's life about the gospel? Because obviously sharing the gospel effectively, you know, is more than just having no fear. And it's more than being intentional. It's more than having a plan. And it's certainly more than having a track to run on. Sharing the gospel is also about earning the right to speak into someone's life about it. So how do you do that? How do we go about that? How do we gain someone's confidence and respect? How do we, we build credibility with other people so we can actually speak the truth about Christ to them? Well, that's a great question. And it's an important one. I mean, how can we possibly earn the right to speak into someone else's life effectively where they will receive it and hear it? Well, the Bible actually has a lot to say about this. And I think that the clear first place to start begins with what Jesus had to say in John chapter 13, verse 34. He said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also love one another. By this, this love, this extraordinary love, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. You see, the starting place for building credibility and rapport with other people for the sake of the gospel must always be love. That's the starting point. Jesus says the way, it says, it says by the way too, that we were to love also the rest of the world. Okay? And by that love, by the love that we have for one another, the rest of the world will know for a fact that we belong to him. By the way that we love each other. You see, it's not about how many Bible verses you memorize or how much church attendance you have behind your belt. It doesn't matter how many times a day you say really cool and religious things like praise the Lord and God bless you. Jesus said the distinguishing mark of his disciples is the way, you know, the way in which you can tell that someone belongs to Jesus is the way they love other people. Love is the key characteristic of a disciple of Christ. Love is the key identifying factor for someone who follows Jesus. And, and here's the thing, just in case you're wondering, Jesus didn't say we just only need to love other Christians. He also said we need to love our neighbors, which is everybody else around us. Okay? You need to love your coworkers and your classmates and your boss and, your, and, 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 and the people that you go to community meetings with. You need to love your, your kids' little league coach and, and even the umpire, right? You need to love the people on your street. You need to love the, the, the people that, that you do business with. We need to love those who are hard to love in our lives. You know, we need to, to love those people who get on our nerves and people that annoy us. In fact, Jesus even went so far to say that we need to love our enemies. We need to love the unlovable. Our love, then, should extend everyone around us. And here's the thing. The love that Jesus is talking about here isn't some touchy-feely, emotional, you know, kind of love. He's talking about a love that's driven by our will and our choice to love. It's a choice to love that manifests itself in action. Loving other people isn't just feeling a feeling. It's doing something. It's an action. Loving people is an activity. You see, loving people changes things, and it changes them. 
and it changes you, and it changes the way that they see you. And if you want to have credibility with someone, if you want to be able to speak in someone else's life, you want to earn their respect so they'll take you seriously when you talk about Jesus, then you need to invest in that relationship and love them. And find ways to actively love them, which means you might have to take some time to listen to them or take them to lunch or bake them a cake or help them move, right? Or you can help them do their homework or, or change a tire or carry stuff out to the car so they don't have to make so many trips. Loving them could be something like offering up to, to help them clean something up or, or maybe covering a ship for them so they can spend more time with their family. Loving people changes things and it changes people. And it's really the first step to opening up the door so you can speak into their life about Christ. Because the truth is, who cares about how much you know until people know how much you care? So loving someone's a starting point of earning the right to speak in someone else's life. Now, with that fact fixed firmly in your mind, there's actually a particular passage of scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, written by Paul that I think deals perfectly with the issue of earning the right to speaking into someone else's life. In fact, um, I want to take some time and, and share that with you today. Now, before we jump in here and, and talk about this, though, there's something that you have to understand about the, the author of 1 Corinthians, okay? Paul He's absolutely the most prolific evangelist and disciple maker in all history. In fact, it's safe to say that we are all right here coming together talking about Jesus this morning because of the work that he did to spread the gospel. Okay, he made disciples, and those people went out and made disciples, and those people went out and made more disciples and more disciples until 2,000 years later, here we are talking about Jesus. So there's a lot that we can learn from Paul about making disciples, but this particular text that Paul has written deals with, uh, that it, it can teach us a lot about earning the right to speak into someone else's life about Jesus. And so with that, we'll turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to be beginning verse 19. And what I want to do real quick is I just want to read for you this entire text, and then what we'll do is we'll go back through it, and we'll take it apart and examine the, the pieces up a little bit closer so we can see what Paul's driving at. In this passage. So, uh, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19, it says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I be became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with him in his blessing. Now, in this particular text, this is a complicated text. But there are a number of key things that, that, that Paul addresses that we need to talk about. And so let's just, let's just start taking them one at a time, okay? The very first thing I want you to notice in this passage of Scripture is that Paul tells us very clearly the purpose of everything that he's talking about here, okay? He tells us the purpose of why he does what he does. And this is important because he tells us in verse 23, I do it all for the sake of the gospel, Everything he talks about doing in this text, he does it for the sake of the gospel. The purpose of everything he describes here in these verses is for spreading the gospel. Spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ is Paul's primary goal. 
Now, what I want you to notice, though, is, is, is from this text, his primary goal is not just telling people about the gospel. His primary goal isn't just to preach the gospel to everyone he meets. His primary goal isn't to spread the gospel you know, um, from just town to town. His goal is to spread the gospel in order to win souls for Christ. That is his goal. In fact, in this passage, this short passage of text, uh, Paul uses this Greek word that's pronounced kerdino, uh, uh, Okay, this word kerdino, five times. He uses this word five times in this text. Now, the word kerdino is translated in English as win or to gain. And the idea that Paul is communicating here when he uses this word is that he's trying to win people for Christ. That is what he's saying here. He's trying to win them for Christ. And so in verse 19, he said, I've made myself a servant to all that I might kerdino or win more of them. Verse 20, he says, to the Jews, I've become a Jew in order to cardino or win Jews. To those who are under the law, you know, I became as one under the law that I might win or cardino those under the law. Verse 21, to those outside the law, I become as one outside the law that I might win those outside the law. Verse 22, I am to the weak, I've become weak that I might cardino or win the weak. And then he goes on and he says, I become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. You see, Paul's primary goal is not just to preach the gospel for preaching the gospel's sake. Right? He doesn't just go into an area and preach the gospel and check you know, his checklist off saying, I preached it in that town. No, Paul's goal is, is to preach the gospel in order to win and save souls. Now, you might be thinking, well, duh. <laughs> right? That's not kind of the point of preaching the gospel. Well, you have to understand okay, what Paul is saying here. Okay? He's saying that I don't just stand on the street corner and, and, and preach the gospel blindly and generically and just pass out Bible tracts. He's saying I tailor the gospel to my audience and I invest in these people in order to earn the right to speak the truth into their lives. In fact, notice what he says here. He says, for though I am free from all, I've made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. You see, Paul is a free man in every sense. He's a Roman citizen. He's also a prominent Jewish uh, figure from a prominent Jewish family. He is highly educated, and he is the most influential evangelist in the entire world. And he doesn't owe anybody anything whatsoever. And wherever he goes, he actually has a right to ask people to serve him because he is so important and prominent, and he is so famous. But he doesn't do that. Instead, Paul humbles himself in order to serve those he ministers to. And why does he do that? Why would he humble himself to serve other people? Well, he tells us he serves other people so he can win them. He serves in an effort to remove the wall between him and them. He serves so they can, they, that he can, he can, they can hear the gospel better. He, he, he humbles himself, you know, just like Jesus humbled himself, and he serves other people so their ears and their hearts and their minds will be open to the message of Christ. And this is an important point because in order to earn the right to speak in someone's life, you must be willing to serve them. You need to love them and be willing to serve them, which really shouldn't be much of a stretch anyway because the natural extension of love is serving anyway. If you love someone, you will serve them. Now, now compare this to the story that I told you about a couple weeks ago about the missionaries in France. 
If you remember, you know, I just ended up on somebody's mailing list and they just started sending me these missionary, you know, report letters. And they've spent years and years and years, they're American, American couple, they spent years and years in France trying to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And one of the, the letters they sent me, they complained about how resistant the French people are to the good news of Jesus. And they lamented all of the work that they had been doing, standing on street corners, passing out tens of thousands of Bible tracts with really little effect or results. And my thought was, <laughs> wow, why are you so surprised that no one's responding to you? Why are you so surprised that no one's listening to you? Right? Why don't you actually go do something that demonstrates that you love people? Why don't you get busy serving other people that you, so you can create a door that you can walk the gospel through? I mean, why don't you go feed the hungry or, or take care of the elderly or, or just offer free English lessons to people or, or coach some sports team? Why don't you serve in a way that creates an opportunity and builds a relationship so you can, sell, you can actually share the gospel instead of just standing there, passing out little pieces of paper, trying to get perfect strangers to stop and listen to you? And, and, and what, what, that is what Paul is saying that he does here. He said, I've made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. Because he understood serving people builds relationships. It builds bridges that allows him to speak into their lives. Now, Paul absolutely was able, would have been able to save souls just by preaching. He could have went into a town and simply just preached to big crowds wherever he went. And souls would have been saved. But notice what he says. He says, I have made myself a servant to all and that I might win more of them. More of them. You see, Paul knew that if, he's gonna, if, he, would, if he was willing to invest in people and serve them, his efforts would be more effective, that more people would come to know Christ. More people would be saved as a result. And so an important part of reaching people for Christ and building rapport and earning the right to speak into someone else's life is just simply to serve them. Love them and find a way to serve them. Find a way to be of service to the people on that list. But that's not all, because notice what else Paul says. In verse 20 he says, To the Jews I became a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak that I might win the weak. And then he says, I have become all things to all people that I might by all means save some. You see what Paul is saying in this text is he's trying to meet people right where they are. You see, Paul is not saying that he's trying to be a chameleon or a compromiser who changes the gospel to fit his audience. He's not someone who's pretending to be something he's not. What Paul is saying here is, is Paul tries to meet people right where they are. He doesn't try to make people conform to him. He doesn't try to have people meet him where he is. He meets them in the situation that they are already in. And so when he talks to Jewish people, he relates to them and talks to them as Jews. When he talks to Gentiles, he relates to people as Greeks who value philosophy. And when he talks to people who are weak or people who struggle to understand complex ideas, he comes down to their level in an effort to make the gospel easier to understand. Paul tries his level best to relate to the other people so that way he has a right to speak into their lives. He tries to, try to relate to them exactly right where they are. And this is an important point because part of reaching people 
We need to understand this. So often we forget that we need to relate to other people. We need to meet them where they are. Okay? We need to connect with them at their level. You see, there are times when so many people talk to Christians about faith in Christ, they get this sense that somehow they need to change who they are and get themselves all cleaned up before they can actually come to church or before they can actually have a relationship with Christ. That there's this sense that, they, that this person needs to raise himself up and get right before God before they can come to God. But that is not how it is. The truth is Christ meets people right where they are. He meets them in the state that they're in. Remember, Paul tells us in Romans that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us while we were still helpless and unable to love him. Christ meets us where we are. And just like Christ, Paul met people right where they are. He didn't ask them to adapt to him. He didn't ask them to be like him. He adapted to meet them in their place of need. He sought to connect with them right where they are. And we need to be willing to do the same thing. We need to be willing to meet people where they are in their life. You see, we're going to come in contact with people who are happily married. But we're also going to be coming in contact with people who are single and divorced. We're going to come in contact with people who are emotionally healthy. And while other people battle things like depression... Okay, we're going to meet people who are organized and motivated and clear-headed while others are distracted and exhausted and addicted. But what we have to come clear about and understand is that God is the same God of all of them. God is the same God of all of them, and he meets them right where they are. He can meet them in their current context of their lives. And if we're going to be effective in sharing the gospel, we need to be able to do the same thing. We need to be able to relate with them and connect with them right where they are. Now, that doesn't mean that we need to be just like them, okay? We don't need to engage in the same behaviors of them. We don't need to share in, in, in the, their sin or act in the same fashion. It just means we need to understand them. We need, we need to take the time to learn about them and get to know them. You see, the gospel is all about relationships. That's how it all started. We were broken and sinners who lost our relationship with God. But he loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us so that relationship can be restored. And God is calling us into a deep, personal relationship with him through Christ. He calls us to follow him in this deep, abiding, connected relationship. And then he calls us to go out and help other people to do the same thing and get in that same relationship. And the very best way to do that, the best way to share the gospel, and the best way to do our part in the commission, the great commission, is through close relationships with other people. Because until we, are, we have a meaningful relationship with one, we're just, we're just another person trying to sell them something. You're just someone that's trying to win a convert. You're just someone trying to get them to join your club. All right? We're just someone in their lives that's just trying to get over on them like everybody else is. But building relationships with them, that changes all of that. When we take the time to meet people where they are and we begin to love them right where they are, right, for who they are, 
And, and through that love, we take that love to the next level and we're willing to serve them right where they are. Without any strings or conditions, we begin to build a bridge from our heart to their heart. And that's the part that you have to understand. When you decide to meet people where they are and you decide to love them where they are and serve them where they are without hesitation or condition or reservation, we establish a supernatural connection with them. We build a bridge from our heart to their heart and it's on that bridge the gospel of Christ can effectively cross over. You see, when you build a relationship with them, right where they are, founded on the love of God, you earn the right to lovingly speak in their life. And that increases the effectiveness of you sharing the gospel with them. And that's the whole point of what Paul is saying. He says that I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I made a point to be able to identify with and relate to people and serve them where they are so I might have the opportunity to effectively share the gospel of Jesus with them so they can be saved. That's what Paul is saying. It's not about preaching sermons. It's not about big gatherings. It's not about snazzy Bible tracts. It's not about how many miles you traveled spreading the gospel. Okay? It's about saving about saving souls. And the absolutely most effective way to do that and, and to share is to share the gospel with people that you have clearly earned the right to speak into their lives. And the best way you can earn that right is to love them as God loves them and serve them as Christ served them and meet them right where they are just as Christ would do. Just as Paul did. That's how you earn the right to speak in someone's life and the lives of other people on your list. You want to know how to effectively talk about Christ to other people? Love them like God loved them, right? Serve them like Christ would serve them, and then meet them right where they are like Christ would do. That's how you earn the right. Now, now that we know that, what do we do with that? I mean, everything that we've been talking about is building up to this thing right here. And we've, we've made lots of commitments, and, and now, it's, you know, and we've, 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 we've made a list, and we have a plan, and we have a track to run on, right? But now it's time to act. How do we take this step and turn it into an action? Well, well the next step in this is actually to get real practical and to begin to actively work towards earning the right to speak into the lives of the people that are on your list. You have a list of 10 people that you've written down. Now's the time to actively begin to work towards earning the right to speak in their lives. And the next, that's the next step. And to do that, I've actually got a couple practical things that you can do this week um, as your homework to prepare you for the gospel. All right, now you don't have to do all of these, but I would recommend it. Right? Um, but you but at least do one of them. And it goes like this. Step one is take some time to get to know them. <laughs> and that seems like elementary, but here's the thing. In our fast-paced world, all right, in our fast-paced world, and we're going busy, 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 and even with the conversations we have with people, how many of you have ever gotten to a place where you found something new about someone that you've kind of known for like years, and you go, wow, I didn't even know, right? Yeah, I think we all have kind of experienced that. We're like, I didn't even know, I don't even know who you are, Right? Right? So it's time to become intentional. It's time to start, you know, getting to know them. Have a conversation with them. 
Invite them to lunch. Find out, you know, you know, find ways to connect. You know, what is their life actually like? Not, not, not what is they're presenting to you. What is their life actually like? What are the challenges they're facing in their life? What about family? What about, you know, finances? What about relationships? Find out more so you can actually then meet them where they are. And that way you can find a way to serve them. And then step two, it's just a repeat, you know, and there's a pattern here, obviously. But pray. Paul says, pray about everything. Um, pray that God would help you to love them. This is an important one because guess what? Agape love is not natural to us. It is something that we have to like purposely do. And we need the strength of God to do that. So pray that God would help you love them. Pray that God would fill your heart with a supernatural love for the people on your list. Pray that God would grow inside you a deep compassion for them. Something that stirs in you that's supernatural. That, that's so deep that it causes you to move to action. And then third, then the third thing is find a way to serve them. Find a way to love them with your actions and serve them. You know, find a need in their life and fill it. You know, help them with something. You know, find something you can do that makes their life better. Right? Do something that helps them, you know, see that you actually care about them. And it doesn't have to be super big either. It can start out as really, really small. Just like, you know, something, you know, like lending a quick hand, helping to straighten something up. Or maybe, you know, maybe even something a little bit more complicated. You know, offering to, you know, help them, you know, with, with Christmas for their kids. I mean, there's lots of different ways to serve people. You know, connect with God and find a way to serve them. That right there is, is your homework. And this is how you take this and apply it to your life. Now, understand, you have to understand now, we've been doing this for five weeks, okay, we've talked about a lot of subjects, you have to understand now how close you are, okay, you now have the tools, you have a list of people, you have an action plan, you have a roadmap of what to say, and now you have the ability to invest in people's lives so you can speak into their lives with authority. You have everything you need to begin to fill, fulfill your commitment to, to go and make at least one disciple as we've talked about. And, and, and you know how that, that by doing that, you're going to change the world around you. So my question for you then is, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? You know this is what God's calling you to do. There's not even a question. If you're a Christian, you know that God is calling you to go share his love and hope with someone else. We spent five weeks talking about all the how-tos and all the build-up to that. I just want that to be the pressing question in your mind as you go about your week. What am I waiting for? Because Jesus has said to go and make disciples. Let me pray for you. Lord God, I'm going to be the first to admit that this convicts my heart. In fact, I think that I might even have the biggest excuse because it seems to me that my circle of friends, you know, are Christians. And, because, and, and, and when I meet people and they find I'm a pastor, naturally they just, you know, either, either they want to, you know, tell me that they're already a Christian or they want to, like, stop the conversation and move on. But I'm under conviction because I need to do the same thing. I need to get serious about getting to know the people on my list. And not just get to know them for, for, for an agenda. I need, to, I need to, to get to know them so I can love them like you called me to. Even if they never, ever, ever put their heart and trust Jesus. 
I'm so called to love them with a reckless abandon the way that you love me. I need to love them in spite of everything else. And then through that love, I need to get to know them and then I need to find ways to serve them. And then as your word says, let your light shine. I need to let my light shine so people can see that I'm not just a pastor who talks about this stuff on Sunday. It's that I'm the guy that lives it out for real in my regular life too, just like everybody else. And I just pray that all of us would do that. And I just pray, Lord, that you would just move all of our spirits so deep and so passionately that we would do just that. That this time next year, that every one of us in this room would have done that. We would have brought someone here that needed to hear the gospel message and that, that we would help them to become a disciple of Christ. And that we would just continue to do that until this community changes from the inside out. Because there's nothing from the outside that's going to help. It's only going to be through your grace and through your gospel. And so, Father, I just pray that that would be all in our hearts. I pray that you would drive that conviction so deep that we can't escape it, that we wouldn't be able to rest, that we would, we would just acknowledge it and bow ourselves to it and then begin to work in that. And I just pray, Father God, that we would follow that with all our hearts. And I pray, Father, that you would be glorified in our lives. And I pray, Father, that you would protect everybody that's here and their families and meet them right where they, where they are. And I pray, Father, that you would uh, protect those who are not here as well and then bring them back safely here. And I pray, Father, that in all that we do, in all that we say, in all that we are, that you be glorified in our lives. We thank you. We love you. We praise you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead. Check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. And please consider partnering with us financially as we share the hope and the healing of Jesus Christ with our community and with the world.